On today's edition of the pod, we are going to talk about the terrible football team that we root for, the New York Jets. On the line with me, as always, Mr. Adam Goodstone. Hey, Justin. How are you this uh, rainy Tuesday? Uh, not bad. Um, it might be rainy today, but sports are on the horizon. Uh, today's the final day of June. Uh and supposedly we're getting uh, baseball and basketball back in July. Uh, and supposedly football will start training camps in July. They claim they're going to start on time. Let's hope all that uh, comes uh, to fruition. And uh, without further ado, let's talk some Jets football. First, I should uh, say, like, while, big... while I'm not an epidemiologist, I don't really think there's any chance we get football, but I'd love to be pleasantly surprised. So we are going to talk about football today, but this, I think, conversation will mostly be for naught. I don't exactly see how... You can play a contact sport over the course of 17 weeks in the midst of a coronavirus, ep- coronavirus epidemic, but maybe the NFL can figure figure that out. Anyway, let's let's talk about the Jets, even though none of the things we're going to pontificate on will likely come to pass. <laughs> uh, well said, but uh, like I said, we can we can be hopeful. Uh, so Jamal Adams has been in the news a lot over the past month or so. Uh, I think this really dates back to last season when, uh, before the trade deadline, he demanded a trade. But Jamal Adams is not happy with the fact that after three years in the league, the Jets have not given him a contract extension. Uh, He either wants an extension or wants to be traded. Clearly, he doesn't think the Jets are going to give him an extension because he's asked for a trade and given a list of teams that he would be happy being traded to. Uh, So I know in the past... I've been more on the side that I feel the Jets should extend Jamal Adams. You felt that safety is not a position where you want to devote a large amount of your uh, dollars and salary cap into, uh, and you've been more open to trading him. What are your thoughts uh, on this Jamal Adams saga? I don't think I would do anything right now. Um, you know, I don't think any team that would trade for him would then give him an extension given the uncertain economics of the NFL. So I think he also has we got two more years on his deal. It's unusual. It's not unheard of to extend a guy this early. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd do anything. If you got an offer of two first round picks, you know, I would, I would personally jump on that. The jets have a lot of resources invested at really silly positions like Avery Williamson and CJ Mosley, a linebacker and Le'Veon Bell at running back. I don't think they're in a position to start handing, handing out huge deals to players with two years left on their contract. Um, and if they can get some draft capital, I think that's a good thing, given that I don't think this is ever going to stop with him. And I am getting flashbacks to Daryl Rivas where, you know, you get a contract, you play a year or two, you're outperforming the value of your contract, and suddenly you refuse to play until you get another contract. It's just you don't want the story in the news all the time. Jamal Adams seems like a great guy. He seems awesome, but I don't really want to deal with this. And I don't think also with how uncertain – the Jets' financials are going to be that they should just be spending a ton of money on anybody, and no one else is going to give them money right this moment until we know if we're playing next year. So they don't really need to do anything, but if you get it blown away, go ahead, I would say. So going back to something we said at the beginning of the pod about we're unsure even if there's going to be football this season, uh, do we know, so if, if the season were to get wiped out by coronavirus, and again, we hope that that is not the case, but if that were to happen, uh, would this count as a year of service time? 
because Jamal Adams is a top 10 pick back in 2017. The Jets get a fifth-year option on him. So he ha is under team control for two more years. Would that extend for two years if they don't play this year? So it comes down to the contract language in the CBA. I wonder if there's a clause about that, like in the case of a pandemic or emergency, here's what happens with service time if like the whole league doesn't play for a year. I know that, that sounds crazy, but in my teacher's contract, there is language about what happens to my job in case we're out of school for a while due to a pandemic. So it's not completely um, unlikely um, given all the, the money at stake in the NFL, but it's probably pretty easily Googleable. Um, if they don't play this year, I wonder if they have a, they can wipe out the CBA and remake it. I think that's the deal with in basketball, where um, I think the the owners do have the ability to rewrite a CBA in a situation like this. So I, I have I have no idea. Yeah, and even though uh, it took baseball forever to come to an agreement to uh, to start playing baseball again, I know that back in March when they suspended the season, that was one of the first things they talked about was that if the year were to get wiped out. Uh, players would not lose a year of service time, uh, which again is a big deal because let's just say for argument's sake, the season got wiped out and uh, the service time stayed intact. Jamal Adams then would still be under contract with the Jets through 2022 instead of 2021. Uh, I am on the same page with you though in that I don't think, unless somebody bowls the Jets over with like two firsts or like a top wide receiver and a first, they don't really need to do anything with two years to go, um, I'm dubious to the fact that Jamal Adams would actually hold out this year when the Jets still control his rights in 2021. I mean, it's one thing for a guy. I mean, we've seen guys hold out for one year and then get a big contract. I don't think he's going to hold out for two years and then expect to get a big contract. So I think when push comes to shove, he would eventually play. And I think, like I said, there's no reason necessarily for the Jets to do anything right now. And like you said, they do have a lot of money tied up into a lot of non-premium positions. And, you know, it's probably best for them to see how, you know, certain things play out uh, with both the financial structure of the league and their own team before uh, committing more money to a guy before they really have to. As we've seen with some of our other teams, the desperate party in a trade situation usually doesn't do as well. So I don't think the Jets should be out there desperate to move him, fearful that he's not going to play this season. They don't have to do anything. Just let deals come to them. There's enough bad teams that maybe one of them would throw too many first-round picks that it would be worth it for yeah, the Jets. And, yeah, and if Jamal Adams wants to be the best-paid safety in the league, uh, he's got to perform. It's not like he can, you know, play at half speed and expect uh, that someone's going to give him a ton of money. Like, he still has to continue to play at a top level. Uh, so I, I agree. The only um, thing I'll say, though, is like when you listen to people talk all the time on the radio or you read stuff on ESPN, everyone's like, what, what the Jets should do? Well, you know what Jamal Adams should do? He should go get his money. You know, if you play in the NFL, you don't play for very long. The NFL doesn't treat its players well. Um, good for him. Like, I don't I wouldn't if I was a, a general manager, I don't think I'd pay him. But if I was his agent, I'd be like, hey, you might get hurt tomorrow. Go get as much money as you possibly can. If some team's willing to give you boatloads of money. Go for it, buddy. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with what he's doing. I felt the same way about Le'Veon Bell. Um, but not many people talk about it from the player side or they, or they criticize the player. Like, go get your money. You have one chance to make enough wealth for your family for generations. Like, go, go get it, buddy. Yeah, I agree. But from the Jets side, I mean, again, I don't think they should feel pressured to have to do anything right now. But at the end of the day, I'm still in the boat that this is a guy they need to make sure stays here long term. 
Uh, I just think we've seen way too many times over the years, especially on the defensive side of the ball, where the Jets cannot come agreement come to an agreement with a certain player, and then you see the guy have uh, a lot of success elsewhere. I mean, obviously, Revis is the most famous example where he went and then won a Super Bowl in New England. But uh, you know, another example that everyone forgets about: John Abraham was drafted by the Jets. Uh, they decided to. Uh, let him walk and John Abraham. I mean, how many great years did he have with Atlanta after leaving the Jets? And that was a situ- you know, in a situation where the Jets just felt like, oh, we don't need him. And you know, clearly that's a guy that could have helped a lot of those mid two thousands Jets teams. I mean, I'd have to look back and see what their cap situation was at the time. But I mean, certainly an example where a guy left after four years and then had a very very successful uh, career after leaving. This is one of those chances, uh, one of those situations where I remembered something you didn't. The Jets didn't let uh, John Abraham walk Justin. They, they traded him to the Falcons. Did they? They did. I remember that. You always remember stuff more than me. I guess uh, maybe uh, Ethan's keeping Well, I mean, the, the thing I... Well, the thing I do remember is that uh, in the 2004 playoffs, uh, John Abraham did not play when the doctor said that he probably could have. And I, I just remember that he left then that offseason. I, I, I admit I forgot that he was traded to the Falcons. What what did they, I'm guessing whatever they got back was not as good as John Abraham? They got the 29th pick in the draft from Denver. Um, I don't know what that pick turned into. 20. I can Google. That would have been the 2005 draft. I remember 2006 no, was, was the year. They, okay, yeah, you, you go. No, it was 2006 was the year they drafted Brick and Mangold. I forget who they took in the first round. In it might have been the Nick Mangold pick, honestly. Was it? Oh, was he there in 2005? I don't know. This, this is, is bad podcasting. Yeah, talking about a guy who hasn't been on the Jets in 16 years. Uh, anyways, let's. Uh, and actually, if you Google John Abraham, the first things that comes up is John Abraham, the Il- Indian film actor, not John Abraham, the football player. So I'm just gonna stop looking up the, yeah, looking this up. Well, I, I think we're both in agreement if they're blown away, trade him. But right now, you don't have to do anything. Like, they can just kind of go to work. Hopefully. I agree. Uh, okay, so other other Jet stuff that's been in the news. Uh, Joe Flacco is now a Jet. Wow, that's crazy. You know, I don't think he's going to be available week one. But you know why that doesn't matter? Because I don't think anyone's going to be playing week one. So. Hmm. Uh, ha, 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 ha. Sorry. Um, so my, my one criticism... Uh, with this, and I don't know if it's really in any way related, um, especially as far as how long-term money ties up. But uh, the Jets did so last year. The Jets go seven and nine. They were seven and six when Darnold started, and zero and three when he didn't start. And not just, and not only were they zero and three, but they were you know not even remotely competitive in the three games that they didn't play. Clearly, uh, they decided that they wanted to put a premium on backup quarterback because they didn't want to end up in that situation again clearly Joe Flacco is one of the better backup quarterbacks in football the thing I didn't love about this is that prior to this happening the Jets used a fourth round pick on a quarterback that's somewhat of a premium pick on quarterback and certainly where at least I felt like okay if you're going to use this kind of pick on a quarterback you expect him to be the backup then the Jets went after that and still brought in Flacco I don't, you know, as long as that's not money where you felt that you really could have upgraded the team somewhere else, um, I, I guess I'm okay with it. But um, it just what felt like they, you know, really went all in on the backup quarterback position, and that's, you know, what made me uh, scratch my head a little bit. Well, I don't, I don't really agree with you. So James Morgan, they didn't take because he was going to be their backup. 
they took him because he's a long-term prospect and they think his raw ability is so great that with a little bit of coaching and getting in, in their system, Gase is a, the QB whisperer, right? He's That's like the only thing he can do, even though how many QBs has he really developed? Tannehill was worse with him and Darnold, I mean, we like him, but he has, certainly hasn't been great. Um, that they thought that this guy would develop and then he'd either be someone who they could bring in if something happens to Darnold, they let Darnold go, or they could trade him for some draft capital. It's kind of like a flyer, but he's not able to back up like immediately next year. So they think they knew that they needed to bring in a veteran quarterback and Douglas worked with Flacco and thought it was good. I don't, I don't see it. I don't have any problems with it. I don't like Flacco. I've never, I've never loved him, but as a backup, sure. Why not? I suppose maybe he has some wisdom that he can embark on Sam Darnold. Get a big contract. He has a Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> right, that that's kind of what he's famous for. When you talk about Joe Flacco, it's he, he won a Super Bowl, got a huge contract, and then was not very good for the remainder of his career. Though John Elway didn't know that last year. Yeah, John Elway makes some weird decisions, but we're not talking about <laughs> Denver and John Elway. We're talking about the Jets. So it, it's not a huge story. He's their second-string quarterback, but I, I don't see a problem with it, though you are a little more iffy about it. Yeah, I think it also uh, goes to show how uh, how much we're craving sports when uh, the number two uh, item on our Jets list was the Jets signing Joe Flacco as their backup quarterback. That's true. There's not a lot to talk <laughs> about right now. Um, so the third thing we wanted to talk about is after the, the major end of free agency in the draft, the Jets really haven't done anything. So they let Tremaine Johnson go, which opened up a bunch of cap room. They have a good amount now. I think it's like $17 million, something like 10 or 11 when they sign all their, their rookies. They haven't gotten anybody and there's three players out there who fit needs for them so the the saints they cut larry warford who was their starting guard last year he made a pro bowl i think the last two years logan ryan is the was the starting quarterback for the titans and jadavian Clowney, who was the starting defensive end for the the seahawks they they need those they need players at corner they need players on their offensive line and they could use more pass rush help you think they could bring in one of those guys i, I was just surprised that they're not using the money that maybe they're worried about finances there was. It seemed like the Ryan thing was a done deal for a little bit, and I'd feel a lot better about this team with a little more depth at corner. Um, yeah, I'm just surprised they, they haven't done anything. I don't know if you had any thoughts about this, or we should just move on. Well, this also goes back to some of my Flacco thoughts, where I'm just wondering if uh, if the if that was financial resources that could have maybe you've been used toward one of these kind of players as opposed to a guy that you hope will never play. Uh, I mean, yes, they could definitely use. I don't know exactly what the financial situation is. Maybe they still end up bringing one of these guys in. Um, I mean, the case of Clowney. I mean, Clowney certainly never lived up to the uh, hype of being a number one overall draft pick. But, I mean, he's certainly a guy that could help them. I mean, the Jets definitely need uh, guys that can rush the quarterback. That's something Clowney can do. Um, And, you know, these guys are still out there. So, you know, maybe something... uh, ends up happening. Uh, it seems like in the NFL, um, I mean, if these guys are you know looking for more money than the Jets have, uh, there always seems to be some ways where you can uh, do some creative accounting uh, to get these guys in. And well, they have enough money to do it right yeah. now. They don't need to do any creative accounting. If they want to sign two of those guys, they'd probably have to cut Avery Williamson, who most people think they probably should cut. Um, yeah, I'm just, just surprised. The Logan Ryan thing, I would just like another cornerback. They Maybe some of the guys they brought in will outperform what they did last year. Um, Desir is one of them, um, but they don't have a ton of depth. Or maybe bl- a bless Austin. Right. They brought in you know a couple guys. They drafted a fifth rounder who probably should have gone a little higher if he wasn't hurt. But they definitely don't have two lockdown corners right now. So it'd be nice to get a serviceable cornerback. Yeah, I, I agree with that. 
Um, let's move on though. Um, so next uh, topic. Uh, so Adam Gase apparently is now looking out for himself and doesn't have trust of the locker room. So we've heard he stories about stuff like that in the past that he wasn't really loved. But in the the wake of the Jamal Adams story, one of the things that came out, and this wasn't like attributed to anyone, so maybe it's made up, but it seems unlikely, was that Adams doesn't like Gase. And Gase gave a press conference and said he loves he loves Adams, but he was noncommittal on whether they're going to resign him. Um, Gase was also noncommittal on whether he was going to kneel with his players for the anthem. It's just, this guy is not a leader. This is not the time to be saying things like this. Have the support of your players. And he, he's consistently not able to do that. I mean, how many times has he had to go out in public and make statements about how he actually likes his players? That's that's insane. Like, those guys in that locker room clearly don't know he has their back. And he's not great at his job. So why is he the coach of the Jets? I don't, I don't really understand. Yeah, I... I... I mean, I personally expect Adam Gase to not be the Jets coach in 2021. Uh, I was, you know, wildly unimpressed with him last year. I mean, at the end of the day, they finished seven and nine last year, which was going to be enough for him to keep his job, especially since they were seven and six with Sam Darnold. And you could spin that as, oh, making progress, even though they had a wildly easy schedule last year. And it was about as unimpressive a seven and six as you could possibly have. But uh, it's just a lot of things you don't like with Adam Gase. Uh, he's not good with the media. You know, players don't seem to love him. Uh, he's he ne- wasn't has technically he ever had a wasn't a guy that. A coach? Uh, his first year in Miami, he did make the playoffs. Uh, since then, though, he has not. Um, I mean, his record as a coach, it's not it's not crazy awful, but um, it's just not a lot to love. The Jets have a much harder uh, schedule this season than they had last year. We'll see how that. Uh, plays into their win-loss record. But um, I do believe that if the Jets don't make the playoffs, he will be gone, especially with the extra playoff team this season. Uh, you know, it's probably only going to take 9-7 and seven to get in. And if he doesn't have this team improved by two games, I, I can't see Douglas bringing him back, especially since uh, Douglas is not, you know, even though Gase played into Douglas getting the GM job, technically Douglas did not hire Gase, so... If Gase was to not win this year, he'd have an opportunity to bring in his own guy. I hope that doesn't happen. I hope Gase has a great year. I hope the Jets win the division because I'm sick of losing. The Jets have not made the playoffs in a decade, and I really would love to see the Jets playing playoff football in January. Uh, But uh, I'm not overly optimistic about that. And actually, one of the reasons I'm not optimistic about them... uh, Winning the division is because of some news uh, we heard about one of the Jets' division rivals yesterday, and that's the New England Patriots signing Cam Newton to be their quarterback. Uh, I feel like this is this was not a surprise at all that they signed him. Uh, I know all offseason New England was saying that they were going to go with uh, Stidham as their quarterback. I personally never believed that... Uh, they would go with Stidham if Cam Newton was still out there. And lo and behold, Cam Newton is now on an incentive-laden one-year contract with the New England Patriots. Uh, your thoughts? I mean, I, it makes a lot of sense. We're not going to add a lot that other people haven't said already. Um, it just, why not? I mean, if you're the yeah. Pats, my only question is why not try to sign him to a two-year deal? Maybe he refused to do that. I'm always confused when you sign guys to a one-year deal on like a make-or-break-it contract because if they make it as a team, you'd have to, I guess, franchise tag him to guarantee him the next year rather than having him hit free agency, which you could do. But yeah, Cam Newton's really good when he's when he's healthy. He's been 
not so healthy the last couple of years. He's had shoulder problems. He's had lower body issues. He plays really physically. So could they get a good year out of him? Maybe. But I don't, I don't think uh, this is like that huge of a deal. I actually disagree with you. I think it is that huge of a deal. Um, as far as not giving him a two-year contract, I think uh, he knows how good he can be when healthy. And he's looking at it as, I just want to put myself in the best situation for one year. And then either the Patriots can franchise me and I'll make the top five quarterback money or I can sign somewhere else for a huge contract. Also, I know the Patriots had almost no cap room, which is why they signed him to, you know, a low initial contract where I think incentives can get him up to like, if he, you know, hit certain benchmarks can get him up to seven or eight million dollars. But a couple things with, uh, with Cam Newton. So in 2018, before he got hurt, and in 2018, he did not have a great team around him in Carolina. In the 14 games he started, he went 6-8. and eight. But do you know what Cam Newton's completion percentage was in 2018? I don't know, Justin. It was 67.9%. Do you know how many seasons Tom Brady has had a better completion percentage than that? I don't. One. Tom Brady has only had one season with a completion percentage better than what Cam Newton did in 2018. Do you know what Tom Brady's completion percentage was last year? It was not good. 60.8%. So I actually think this is a huge deal because I think people are underestimating A, just how much Tom Brady's game dipped last season. Like from in the years before that, Tom Brady's completion percentage, 64, 64, 67, 66, 66. And then last year dipped all the way down to 60%. Whereas now you look at Cam Newton, two years ago, he had by far the best completion percentage of his career at 68%. Uh, You know, obviously he's a dual threat, but I think he's shown that clearly he's an effective pocket passer. Also, another thing with uh, Cam Newton. Do you know what Cam Newton did in 2005? I don't. In 2005, Cam Newton threw for 2,500 yards in high school with 23 touchdowns and nine picks. Those are some crazy numbers for high school. He still in had two, nine picks you know what he did in, in 2010? I don't. He had a... He had maybe the best college season of all time for Auburn, going undefeated, winning the Heisman at a national championship. You know what he did in 2015? I don't know, Justin. He won an MVP, going 15-1 and and making the Super Bowl. This year's 2020, so he's every right on years. pace to have every five years to do something, to do, uh, something uh, massive and monstrous. I think this is a huge deal. Even with Stidham, I would have picked the Patriots to win the... AFC East. I mean, it's a team returning a really good defense. They have the best coach in the division. But, you know, the one thing you would have said is they probably have the worst quarterback room in the uh, division. Now with Cam Newton coming there, I mean, he's easily the most accomplished quarterback in the division. He easily becomes, if healthy, the best quarterback in the division. I think, you know, he raises the ceiling on this Patriots team from, you know, being a team that maybe you would have thought wins 10 games and maybe could eke out the division, maybe as a wild card team. Now, I think, you know, this is a, I think with Cam Newton, you know, he swings it to where, you know, you're looking at a 12-13 win team that's, you know, going to win the division, maybe even compete for that, uh, you know, top seed buy in the AFC. I, I really think this is a massive move. And the thing that really scares me about it is I don't know what the Patriots cap situation is, moving forward after the 
2020 season. But if Cam Newton's really good there, he's only 31 years old. Like, do they just sign him to a massive contract? And now, you know, he just tortures the Jets for like the next five, six years. I I don't necessarily see it as rosy, but I I guess I hope I'm right and you're wrong for the for the Jets' sake. So, I mean, I, I don't watch a ton of football, but I have watched a good amount of Cam Newton play and a lot of Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a much more accurate passer than Cam Newton. I don't necessarily know why his completion percentage was so high. I wonder if it's the type of routes his receivers are running. But he relies on his legs a lot, and he, he misses throws pretty pretty regularly. And I think if well, you that's why it, I, that's it, why it I was making – well, that's why I was saying if you take the 2018 – Cam Newton and compare him to the because I mean Cam Newton only played two injury injury riddled games last season, uh, but if you take that 2018 version of Cam Newton that completed 68 percent of his passes and then you look at the 2020 version of Tom Brady who only completed 60 percent of his passes, you're looking at something that's you know a much larger upgrade than people may be anticipating. Yeah, I would just say Tom Brady. Tom Brady was not offense. good last year. I don't necessarily, I mean, I watched a lot of those games. Tom Brady's offense was really bad. He was under threat much more quickly than he was in past years, and he had no talent around him to throw the ball to. Um, I don't think he was as bad as people make it out to be. I think that offense took a huge step backwards, and they didn't really do anything to make their offense better. So maybe... Yeah, maybe I don't know about that. I just think, well, I think you could also say they just didn't draft the right guy in the draft last year. I mean, oh, there were so many, I mean great uh receivers that i mean who was the receiver they drafted that was oh keneal harry they end up drafting keneal harry who wasn't any good winners they could have gotten like aj brown or debo samuel well, it was nikhil harry and wide receivers usually take a couple of years but they, they didn't really do anything this year either they didn't add any great running backs or wide receivers they didn't i don't think they added any offensive lineback uh, depth they re-signed tooney which is good but i don't i don't really see this offense being elite and i don't i don't honestly know if he's gonna if cam's gonna bounce back the way you think he will Guys who run that much, as their bodies start to degrade, they don't usually come back. He had that Michael Vick year where he came back and was spectacular, and he never quite was as good again. It's unusual for a guy who runs like this and is as physical as this to to kind of get back to where he was. I guess Ben Roethlisberger never well Roethlisberger never really took a step back. He also was like a big physical player. I don't I don't know what's gonna happen. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's gonna be the difference between the Jets. I mean, Cam Newton is not make the playoffs. I mean, well, I mean, I think when you say a big physical player, I mean, Cam Newton is a big physical player. I mean, right. I think that's fair to say. I mean, Cam Newton is 6'5", 250 pounds. I mean, the guy's built like a linebacker. He plays like I a think linebacker. The, yeah. I think the thing, though, is is can Bill Belichick get him to be more of a pocket passer and rely on his legs yet less? Because I think if he does that, you have a much you know better chance of keeping Cam Newton healthy at this stage of his career if he, you know he's not using his legs and not putting himself in harm's way. Well, we've just never you seen him do years. that successfully. He also has never had a ton of talent on offense with him, with the exception of Christian McCaffrey. Um, I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know if that's entirely true. Well, I mean, that, the year he won the M- I don't know. I mean, he had Steve Smith for many years. Towards the end uh, of his career. You know, he had uh, you know, the two running backs. I don't know. I mean, 2015, he did go... He was on a team that went 15-1. and one. I'd have to look back at that roster to, uh, you know, remind myself of who exactly he was playing with. But I'd have to imagine he had some pretty good teammates on a team that went 15-1 and one and made the Super Bowl. I don't think his wide receivers are very good. Uh, so they had Corey Brown, Ted Ginn, and... Those are their well, he's always starters, had a, well. Right? He has always had one of the best tight ends in this. I mean, he has always had one of the best tight ends in the sport in Greg Olson. That's true. No, their wide receiver um, core anyway. wasn't great that year. I don't know what we're arguing about now. I seem to be arguing that he's better, and you <laughs> arguing that he's worse. 
um, I, th- I think the final point is that uh, you don't necessarily think this elevates the Pats as much, whereas I think it does. Um, it's not I, like I think the 2020 Jets are in any way winning a Super Bowl, but it does concern me that if he is uh, lights out this year and becomes an MVP candidate again, um, there'll be a lot of pressure on the Patriots to keep him. And being that he just turned 31, it's the guy theoretically could still have many years in front of him. And just as we thought uh, things might turn for the Patriots, uh, losing Tom Brady, you know, maybe all of a sudden there's this second act for Belichick where, uh, you know, he has this like six, seven year run with Cam Newton where they're just continuing to win divisions every year and everybody's just going to be kicking themselves. That Cam Newton, not that the Jets were in a position to get Cam Newton, but, you know, other teams that certainly could have upgraded their quarterback situation did not. And the rest of the league just let Cam Newton fall into Bill Belichick's lap. Like it's a, it, I think it's a very, you know, it, it definitely scares me. Okay. I just think if the, I, I think the Pats are going to be good, if, you know, no matter what, if their team works. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be the difference. I think they're going to run an offense around a running quarterback. Stidham also is a running quarterback. I don't, I don't, I mean, Cam Newton's clearly better than Stidham, but if this team was going to be good enough to make the playoffs, I don't know if Cam Newton's going to be the difference. I think there's a chance they just crater and they're terrible. Their defense wasn't as good in the second half last year against worse teams. Um, their offense didn't really add anybody, and if their team just sucks, I don't really think the Cam's gonna, you know, limp this team into the playoffs when he's potentially limping too. And why would the Panthers let him go yeah. if he was gonna be great again? I mean, they've seen his medicals; they rehabbed him for a so year and I a half do... and decided bye. Well, I also have another uh, theory about that. So Carolina um, does have a new ownership situation, and you've seen this a lot of times in sports where new owners come come in and they just want to change things up for the cha- sake of you know, wanting to make decisions and changing things up. Uh, by all accounts, Ron Rivera is one of the most uh, respected, well-liked, and a pretty, you know, decently successful coach. And, uh, you know, they got rid of him last year, which, you know, a lot of the Carolina Panthers players uh, came out and did not agree with that decision. And you just wonder if this is new owner syndrome being like, oh, well, I want to move on from Ron Rivera. I want to move on from Cam Newton. And we, I want to win things my way. Well, the most valuable um, co- I, I commodity think- in all sports is an elite starting quarterback. So if he has the chance to do that again, they let him go, then they're very dumb. I mean, maybe this new owner will be dumb. Just be, I mean, we've seen it many times. Just because uh, these sports owners are good at business uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they're good at owning a team. I mean, look at our owners. They're all uh, you know, very rich, successful people that have been terrible at running their sports franchises. And the Mets are so bad they can't even figure out how to sell their team. Yeah. Um, <laughs> fair point. Which is funny because, you know, uh, Jeff Wilpon... Is uh, I'm sorry, uh, Fred Wilpon, you know, is probably the most successful. Uh, I think easily the most successful business person with our sports, considering that uh, Woody Johnson and James Dolan are the offsprings of super successful people. Whereas you know, Fred Wilpon is the only one that actually was you know became a self-made billionaire. Well, I don't know if he's a billionaire anymore. Probably would be if he sold the Met, sold the Mets. He was self-made. I didn't know that. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was a uh, started the whole like real estate uh, empire as opposed to you know Woody Johnson, who's from the Johnson Johnson family, and James Dolan, who you inherited know, his everything father, from his uh, dad. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. Well, anyways, let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah. So we thought one thing that would be um, a lot of fun would be that uh, since we have not seen the Mets or Jets play a game in 2020, uh, there are a lot of players that these teams have brought in and. Uh, 
we thought it'd be fun to count down who are the five new Mets and Jets, the five guys that we have never seen play that are going to upset us the most, that we are going to be the most mad about, uh, you know, a year from now. Oh, uh, I misinterpreted this. This is bad podcasting. I thought it was the, the five people who were going to be most upset that they joined our teams. I had a, I had a lot of fun with that list. Eh, that could be, that could sort of be, um, I mean, that could sort of be similar. Uh, how about, since since uh, we had slightly different takes on it, maybe I just run through my five and then you run through your five? All right, why don't you run through your five? Okay, so uh, my honorable mention, and only because technically he has appeared in a game for the Mets, is uh, Jed Lowry. Uh, Jed Lowry amazingly appeared in nine games last year, uh, accumulating uh, seven at-bats and having zero hits. Um, he also uh, famously uh, did not did not play at all in spring training this year. I have a hard time uh, seeing him do anything that's going to make Mets fans happy this season. Uh, so he's my honorable mention since technically he did appear in nine games and have seven at-bats going 0 for 7 last year. Fair enough. I was going to say, why is he not your number one? Because he, he was on the Mets, even though it was, it was hard to realize since he just magically disappeared, like a lot of our players do on the Mets. He just disappeared. What makes him unique in his magical yes. disappearance um, is he, he you know, never even started. Yeah. Um, anyway, so going into my five, uh, my number five is uh, Jake Marisnik, uh, who the Mets uh, brought in to uh, be like their fourth outfielder uh, this year. You might say, well, why would you put a backup outfielder on this list? So Jake Marisnik came from the Astros, who obviously got in a lot of trouble this past offseason for all their cheating. Jake Marisnik, the last two years with the Astros, hit 233 and 211. So if he was only hitting 233 and 211, uh, knowing what pitches were coming at home. Uh, I can only imagine how bad his batting average is going to be when he doesn't know what pitches are coming. Uh, so even though he's going to be a backup, I have a feeling he's a guy that uh, may hit like 150 and uh, not even make it through this shortened 60-game season. So I have Jake Marisnik at number five. Fair enough. Uh, at number four, I'm going to go with one of the Jets draft picks from this year. So on uh, one of our past podcasts, we uh, commended the Jets for getting this guy, but he's still number four on my list, and I really got, I really, really hope that I'm wrong. And it's Denzel Mims. Uh, so even though uh, we commended uh, the Jets for trading down in the second round and drafting him, uh, and certainly drafting him at a position of need in wide receiver, um, the Jets have a terrible history with second round draft picks. They usually always fail, um, They especially with uh, second-round wide receivers. A few years back, they drafted a guy named Stephen Hill. Did the guy even ever have a catch? Uh, I so I, I looked a little more into Denzel Mims. One thing that really scares me, uh, even though as a whole the guy had really good numbers in college and he was a guy I know like Mel Kuyper really liked and had rated highly, if you remember in the second round, a lot of teams opted to draft other receivers over Denzel Mims. And I looked and saw that in Baylor's biggest game last year, the Big 12 championship game against Oklahoma, a game where if Baylor would have won, they would have made it into the National College football playoff. Denzel Mims had zero catches uh, in a game where he played the whole game and was healthy. He just didn't have a catch. So that, I thought, was kind of troublesome. So I hope Denzel Mims is great, but I'm, I'm scared uh, that he could be a huge bust. So he's number four. Number three, I'm going with another Jet. Uh, it's Brett Marr. Um, our good friend and uh, co-host of the List podcast, Chris Meany, uh, could not stand Brett Maher and couldn't wait to get rid of him uh, 
quickly enough. Um, he has a big leg, but um, kicker is a position where uh, it's very easy to not be liked. So, uh, you know, how could this go wrong? A guy who has not been an accurate uh, kicker uh, in ideal situation, at least from an ideal weather situation in Dallas to uh, now having to, you know, potentially kick in the uh, uh, windy meadowlands. Again, for non-accurate kickers, how could that go wrong? Uh, number two, I went with Michael Waka. Uh, Michael Waka is a guy who uh, was very injured two years ago and last year was not good and pitched to a uh, 4.76 ERA. Guys generally don't leave the Cardinals, go to other places and get better. And now with Noah Syndergaard missing the whole season, the the Mets really need to rely on Michael Waka, and I feel like he's a guy we're not going to be happy with. Uh, and at number one, I am going with one of the Jets' offseason signings, and that's George Fant, the uh, uh, tackle they signed from the Seattle Seahawks. The reason I decided to put him at number one uh, he only started some games for the Seahawks, and I know the rap on Seattle's offensive line the past few years is that it has not been very good. Uh, so the Jets go and, you know, not that they necessarily overpaid for a tackle, especially now that he's going to be, uh, and, you know, it, it, there's a little less responsibility because he's going to be playing probably right tackle instead of left tackle since the uh, Jets used the 11th pick in the draft on Makai Becton to play left tackle. But... If he wasn't really good enough to play for a bad offensive line in Seattle, I question just how good this guy's going to be with the Jets, and it scares me that uh, you know from that right side of the line, uh, Sam Darnold will get very beat up because this guy George Fant might not be very good. Again, I hope he's, I hope I'm wrong because I think they gave him like ten million dollars a season to uh, you know be the right tackle for this team, but um, it really scares me. Um, we've seen. Uh, We've seen bad right tackles for the Jets before, uh, you know, really derail seasons. Um, so I really, you know, I mean, again, I hope I'm wrong with all of these guys, but uh, um, because George Fant's going to be playing in uh, a position of a lot of importance, um, I don't have a lot of confidence there. So he's my number one on uh, player I think uh, will most disappoint us over the next year. Uh, so any, any thoughts on my list? So George Font also appears on my list. Um, I'm a little more hopeful than you, but he's on mine as well. I thought thought your list was good. I'm, I'm a little more hopeful for Mims. I know you mentioned the their their bowl game. Was he thrown to at all? I mean, it's not necessarily his fault that he if he, no one threw to him. It's also a pretty small sample size. Let's let's be hopeful, Justin. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I, I, I yeah, I was looking I was looking for. Uh, a guy I wanted to include one of the picks, and then that I mean, it's definitely one of the picks that scares me the most, just because the history the Jets have such a bad history uh, with their second round picks. Hold on, I'm I'm looking up uh, how much he's done. Denzel, uh, yeah, but um, while while I look this up, why don't you get into your list with I, which I know uh, you said was um, players that are going to most regret having come to the. Uh, Jets or Mets. Yeah, so you're right. My list is the five guys who came to the Mets or Jets who are most going to regret their decision um, whenever they whenever they do play. We couldn't really do the Knicks for this list because their season's over, and I don't think anyone's going to want to play for that dumpster fire this year. Um, if we did it for last year, we'd probably have some interesting some interesting choices. Um, but yeah, and in fairness, there aren't any there aren't any new Knicks that haven't played for them. Uh, considering that this season is, they're still sort of, even though the Knicks season is over, the NBA season as a whole is still ongoing. But uh, yeah, let's get into your list. So the number five is Luis Rojas. So I 
I would love for the Mets to be good, but you know they always tear your heart out at some point. Um, so he was in the organization. He's now their manager after the whole Carlos Beltran fiasco. But he just they're not going to win the World Series this year. Syndergaard's already out. Somehow he's playing terrible is going to happen. Maybe they'll have the the worst coronavirus outbreak in the the league and have to stop playing. And I don't want that to happen, but you could just see it happening to the Mets or DeGrom gets. Yeah. So you just see you could see it going bad really fast. So I think yeah. Lewis Ross is going to regret his decision. Number 4. Uh, we're well, say. before you go on before you go on to your top 4, I think it is important to say that I would have been mad if he was on your list had you done your list like I did my list because I, I like Louis Rojas and I don't think we're going to be mad at him but yes I, I think he will regret his decision because something something bad is bound to happen a uh, number especially in this weird wonky 60 game season sorry keep going on your number four yeah so my number four is George Font so things don't seem to be going great with this edition already so they promised him he could play left tackle and they drafted Mackay Becton so he's not playing left tackle um, as you mentioned, he wasn't a full-time starter for Seattle. He was making some progress earlier in his career and then got hurt, and they were kind of using him as the sixth lineman. Um, Douglas thinks he'll be good because he's big and fast, so I'm, I think I hope he'll be good, but it's not starting off great where they promised him he could be a left tackle, and he's probably not going to. He might already regret his decision, and there's always a chance that he doesn't start and they give it to Adoja anyway. Any thoughts on that? Yeah. Uh, also, he's going to be 28 this season, so it's like he's not old, but he's not like a spring chicken. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a, a choice. Um, I think that's a good one. Um, I don't think he'll regret his choice financially because they paid him a lot of money, but um, I think he very well may regret coming to the uh, mess that is the Jets, especially after coming from such a competent organization in Seattle. Yep. Uh, so number three is Brashard Perryman, who when uh, the other wide receivers on Tampa got hurt, flourished and... If you remember what happened to the Jets last year, um, Darnold got mono, and then Simeon got hurt, and then the team was bad, and none of their wide receivers could do anything. So it, I guess it would be tough for that to happen again, but you could see a situation where um, Darnold gets hurt or gets coronavirus. He did have mono last year, and then you know um, Joe Flacco is not ready to play yet, and Bashard Perriman is just standing there just feeling very sad for himself. So I think he might regret his decision to come to the Jets. So I like that choice, but I'm actually going to twist it and say that he's going to regret it for another reason. Uh, sort of backwards of what you said is that uh, one thing we know about Joe Flacco is he just loves to, he's not the most accurate of quarterbacks and he just loves to throw the ball like 50 yards down the field. And Brashad Perriman is a speedster who just loves to run down the field. So I actually think he's the guy who, if Joe Flacco has to play two games this year. Those will be the two games where Perriman looks great and him and Darnold will just never be able to uh, get on the same page. And that'll be the reason why he regrets coming to the Jets. That was a good creative idea. All right, and then uh, my next two are very similar. So number two is Joe Flacco. He <laughs> had a really bad injury last year, had surgery, isn't going to be ready for the beginning of the season. How did the Jets really do a good job with injured players? I don't think they're going to help him get better. Um, they don't have a great offensive line still, though – we hope it's better. So you could see a situation Hopefully. where he comes in, he's just barely recovered from his injury, and he's under fire again and gets hurt again. So he's going to be sad about that, I think. Like, he probably doesn't want to play, and given all the Jets' problems, there's probably a good chance he'll have to, and then he'll be sad. Yeah, I mean, Sam Darnold has missed time in each of his first two seasons, so there's definitely a chance that uh, Flacco will have to play at some point this year. And then my number one wasn't even close. I, I was hoping we'd have the same number one. I'm kind of sad we didn't do the same list. 
So Dylan Batansis is my number one. So in 2019, he didn't play until I think 60 games in because he had bone spurs. And the moment he played, he tore his Achilles and uh, was out all of last year. He's 32. And now he's on the Mets, who have the worst record for injuries in the history of all (laughs) sports. So this poor guy, he had one of the worst injuries you can have to your Achilles. He had bone spurs. And now he's on the Mets in a season that I don't think they, you know, were able to get ready the way they normally do. There's probably going to be more injuries. Um, because of the shortened season. So poor Dylan Batanzas came to the Mets, and he's going to get hurt, and they're not going to be able to help him. Yeah, I, I did think about, and again, this this ties into the fact that our lists uh, were different. We're different. We're different, because I did think about Dylan Batanzas, but the thing is, because Dylan Batanzas has had so much success on the Yankees, uh, while the injuries are definitely concerned, it's certainly not like it's a situation like we had with Edwin Diaz last year where he comes to New York and the stage is just way too big for him. We know Dylan Batanzas can handle the pressures of pitching in New York City. That part of it's not an issue, which is why I didn't uh, include him because I don't think he's a guy. Because I think if he pitches and he's healthy, I think he'll perform well. Uh as opposed to other, you know, other guys on my list. I mean, that was really the emphasis of my list is the guys that I think won't perform well. Uh, I guess Michael Waka being a little bit of an exception because I think Michael Waka, you know, he, he definitely is an injury risk. But uh, yeah, that, 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 given your list of guys uh, that will be upset they came to uh, the Mets, he, he's a really good candidate, especially because, I mean, he was playing for such a good, classy organization in the, uh, the Yankees and... Now he's got to play for you know the this uh, team that usually can you know can't get out of its own way in the Mets. So Justin, real so quick before was, we uh, before we close out, um, when you hear the name Michael Waka, what do you think about? Uh, is it what is it the Waka 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 like the Muppets? Yeah, I either think of Fozzie Bear or Waka Flocka. Um, so I, I love having well, a, I also, what? I, I also think of my buddy uh, Evan Holt. Um, you know, you know, Evan, yes. um, if you Google Michael Waka and go and then look at a picture of Evan, they look exactly alike. Interesting. I kind of, yeah, unfortunately, uh, fans will not be able to, uh, attend games this year, but, um, which is upsetting because I really wanted to go to a game with, uh, Evan this year and like put him go in a up to the, uh, well, put him, yeah, put him in a Waka jersey and then go up to the ticket booth and just be like, oh, uh. You know, I'm Evan Waka. My brother left me uh, tickets for the game today. That's a great idea. Because, I mean, if they know, if, you know, the guy at the ticket booth knows what Michael Waka looks like, they would definitely think that Evan is his brother. That's the they thing look, in baseball. Exactly Do you think alike. the guy in the ticket booth knows what your fifth starter looks like? Probably not. Yeah, I don't know. That's, that's a good question. Another thing with Michael Waka, he got uh, engaged this offseason. So who knows how, uh, you know, how much he's really uh, kept himself into uh, shape. You know, I mean, he's got, got all that wedding planning going on. So it's a lot to deal with. Um, on that note, yeah. my uh, kids are coming home. Today was our first day in four months where they were at school. So we are feeling rest and relaxed, and I, I can't wait to decontaminate my children and hear about their day. Sounds good. Uh, so I know in the very near future, uh, uh, we will do a Mets podcast. Um, I'm excited for this one, especially because uh, uh, baseball season um, supposedly is only about three weeks away, which is exciting. I don't believe it, um, but we'll, I would love to see it. Uh, me too. Um, I think uh, since we'll be podcasting again very shortly, uh, we'll save our crap rankings for that pod. Sounds good. All right. Have a good one, Adam. All right. See you, Justin.